Do your clapping. There you go. That redlined it. <laughs> so my guest today, my first guest, in fact, is Ronnie Walker. His family and mine uh, both live in the great state of Texas for now. Um, and in the small town of Forney, Texas. I've known Ronnie for nearly four years. Is that right? That's right. About, about four, right? Years. four years. Yep. Um, we met at the church. Both he and I attend regularly, both his family and mine. Uh, over time, I've come to know him pretty well and initially um, grew to respect him as a man of faith uh, and also as an excellent husband to his wife, Connie, as well as uh, a great father to his four children. Um, a new child, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, Tace. Yep. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I think I've said that to you before, but it just feels appropriate to do it now as well. Yes. Um, as time moved on, I began to find out more and more about him and what he did and now does to earn a living and create wealth for himself and his family. I began to investigate a little bit uh, at a time about what he's doing now, and I've become really fascinated to learn more about it. Um, so fascinated, in fact, that I wanted to get him on the show and give him an opportunity to share with you what he's doing, where he's going, and how he might be able to help you as well as me and everyone else listening. Uh, Before I bring Ronnie on um, officially, I want to give you a little bit of background on him. Um, Just so you know, I'm going to read this background to you, but I also want to discuss it in a little bit more detail with him uh, once we get started. Um, Ronnie was born and raised in Wasilla, Alaska and moved to Dallas to start college back in 2007. After completing his studies, he jumped into banking with J.P. Morgan Chase as a private client banker. He handled uh, investment opportunities uh, of uh, million-dollar accounts. In 2012, uh, he became partner with a real estate investment firm called Triple Equity, based out of Garland, Texas. Uh, with them, he was personally responsible for over $14 million in acquisitions and creating the marketing platform that that firm uses to this very day. Um, after working with Triple Equity for three years, he sold his share in the company to start his own firm, The Walker Group. Uh, since its creation in July 2015, The Walker Group has transacted over $25 million worth of real estate. Ronnie enjoys living in Forney, Texas with his wife and four children. He is committed to be the best and most reliable source for real estate investment in the greater DFW Metroplex and is well on his way to making that dream a reality. The Walker Group offers a vast array of services to homeowners with complex housing problems. Ronnie likes to say, we believe individuals deserve to sell their homes without the traditional hassles and on their own timeline. When homeowners sell their homes to us, they get a sale without having to put it on the market, pay fees, or worry about sales contingencies. It's a simple and fair process. The Walker Group completes between 50 and 85 property purchases annually. And Ronnie says, we make selling a home as simple as one, two, three. So there you have it. So without further delay, please welcome the greatness of Ronnie Walker. Well, that was quite the introduction. So (laughs) thank you, Mike. If nothing else, man, I know how to read. Right. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So I, I, uh, I I know I mentioned all of this in the intro, right? Yep. But that's just, you know, kind of rote reading. There's no real personality behind it. Um, tell us, 
tell us some about your personal background, you know, where you're from. I mean, again, knowing that you mentioned it, but you're going to put some personal flair to it that I think everybody would want. Um, where are you from? What brought you to Texas? Uh, tell us about your, your family. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm from the place that got famous through Sarah Palin. Basically I'm from Wasilla, Alaska. Nice. That's where most people uh, know it, which uh, funny story. I actually know the family. Um, Although not in regular contact, I played hockey with uh, with Track, their son. So really, uh, yeah, I played. Uh, I was actually played hockey for 14 years. I grew up, uh, went to uh, Greenland and played in the Junior Olympics. Not a lot of people hear about that, but uh, you know, I, th- dude, how do I go four years? How how is that possible? How do you go four years and you don't go? <laughs> you know what? I actually played. Uh, I played hockey for 14 years. Yeah, that was a huge part of my life. Um, and so from there, I actually, uh, I was a big part of my church down uh, back home, and that's actually what brought me to Texas, as I came to go to Bible school. And uh, after graduating Bible school, uh, I actually, wa- I worked at Sprint before I worked at Chase. So, um, but I became the youngest manager at Sprint in the Dallas Metroplex, and then uh, from there I moved into banking. So what was it like working at Sprint? What did, what did you do there? Yeah, so I mean, I was just the I was the lowly guy of uh, sold you your cell phone. Basically, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really know much other than I knew how to study, and I learned kind of my sales. Uh, I'd say a, a good chunk of my sales at Chase, but uh, that's where I started with the cold calling. That's where I just got on the phone. Um, I took basically a store that was really behind, and I think we got up to like the fifth or sixth different uh or highest store you know in my little you know my little section of the metroplex and um man that's really where my sales career got started you know everybody talks about so i have kids right yep i i have i have five kids and and i i do this as well you know let's i'm not going to start throwing this at kids right i think people have a tendency to do this and that is we kind of have this foggy vision or thought of what we want to do and what we want to be some point in the future. Right. Yep. And we tend to see where we are today. Um, a lot of times, especially in our, in, in our younger days, right. We tend to see, this is just a waste of my time until I get where I'm going. Right. I I'm, I'm, you know, I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's today or I'm, you know, selling, uh, you know, cell phone plans at Sprint or AT&T or whatever. Um, I'm 21, 22, 23, whatever. Yep. You know, but when I'm 35, I want to be a multimillionaire, you know, in the real estate world or in the software development world. I want to sell an app and never work again, you know, a day in (laughs) my life. And so we tend to look at those early days as just kind of like fluff days, just waste days. I'm just wasting my time till I get there. I, I, I have not found that to be the way you think. So I'm curious when yeah. you're when you're at Sprint, and I'm not saying that you that you thought through it like this, right, yeah. analytically. But I'm curious when you were there, did you have some notion that look, I'm going to learn something here that's going to, and maybe not in these words, that's going to make me more kick ass later in life. Yeah. So actually, it really starts back before Sprint. I would say is I didn't have this. Uh, I'm wasting my life. Uh, so my, growing up, my dad actually owned a asphalt and maintenance company. He's been an entrepreneur for 45 years. He's still doing asphalt and maintenance up in Alaska. And really I grew up under hard work. I mean, that was, I was 12 years old out on the paving crew shoveling asphalt. 
And I did that up until I moved to Texas. And it was my goal basically not to own my own company. I was like, I'm going to be a nine to fiver. Screw this hard work. But the problem is I was used to at 15 years old making $20 an hour. At that time was definitely a lot of money. I was the guy in high school who had all the money. I had the nice car. You know, I had a Mitsubishi Eclipse. I was the guy who was like, hey, let's go to Anchorage and go to the movie theater. And they're like, well, we don't have any money. I was like, I got it. I'll cover. I'll buy dinner. I'll buy this. And it was because I worked. Now, I didn't want to work. My dad basically made me work. And although there was a lot of stuff that uh, I didn't like, there was a lot of stuff I learned. And so when I started working at Sprint, it was mainly because I wanted a nine to five. I wanted the, you know what, I'm going to get married. I want work to be work. And I want to split off my life. And after work, I don't have to think about it. Well, I very quickly went from making $20 an hour to $8 an hour plus commission. I was like, oh, dang, I'm not, I'm here all the time and I'm making way less money. Um, And so basically from there, I just looked for opportunities to make more money. And that was really where it started. At the core of it, I wanted to make more and get back to where I was. Literally, when I moved to Texas, I had more money in the bank account than most people do. And then I went to making eight bucks an hour. And so that is what started me on my own journey of, okay, what could I do? And then I turned to, well, what could I do in the entrepreneur realm? And I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew from the time I got married back in 2010, I started having conversations with my wife about, man, what am I going to do? I don't know. And there was all kinds of things that came up. And in the meantime, there was nothing I figured I could do other than going back to asphalt maintenance that would make me the amount of money. So did you, at that point, you didn't have any, like you weren't thinking real estate at that point. No, I had, I had not. So I, I left Chase basically because they wanted me, or excuse me, I left Sprint because they wanted me to work seven days a week and, and that's, we just had our new child. And that's in Alaska. No, no, that's here. Okay, that's in Dallas. Yeah, yeah that's in Dallas. So is that while you're in school here then? Or is no, this no, still no. after I, this school? No, no, no. This was after school. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, this was after I came down here. Okay. So um, I decided, screw this. I want, I want the weekends off. So I started looking around. Because I'd moved into management, I had basically been one of the better sales guys at Sprint. Uh, I started looking around, and that's how I got into Chase. Well, once I got into Chase... After getting my uh, getting my licenses for investments, and uh, I was a personal banker, and then I got into the private client role over a period of time, and I started managing money. Well, at that time, I was simultaneously basically eyes glued to Shark Tank when I wasn't at work. And what I realized is a lot of the people that had money to put into their products on Shark Tank somehow got it from real estate. A good, if you look at the first, I haven't watched the seasons recently, but if you look at the first bunch of seasons, a lot of the guys who have $200,000, $400,000, $600,000, million, they made it from real estate. You actually hear them say that over, hey, you need to go back into real estate because this isn't going to work. Um, and then one of my clients uh, who seemed to always answer the phone, I don't know why, it, and, and when you're in sales, you realize people don't always answer the phone, but this guy always answers the phone. One time he made a $2 million deposit. And, uh, this is why you're at chase. This is why I was at chase. Yeah. He, he makes a $2 million deposit. I'm like, what the freaking heck does this guy do? So I called him up 
And uh, I'm just going to call him Scott. That's not his name. But uh, I basically called him up. I was like, yo, Scott, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And I didn't say that from the first call. But basically, I got lunch with him. I helped his mom move some money over when she passed away. And he basically told me a story. He talked about real estate investment. He talked about now he does commercial flips. Um, I mean, we're talking about a seven-figure payday. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about $2 million deposited in one shot. Come to find out, it took him a little bit of time, but still. So he basically turned me on to some real estate stuff. I'd already heard that from Shark Tank, trying to figure out, and I just started learning. Um, Jumped in, basically bought a course, was like, and from there, I just committed myself and said, you know, I'm going to figure this out. But you're, but you're still at chase when you start, I'm right? I'm still at chase. Yeah. So, so let me just, I want to make sure that, that we get this right. Because again, this is another, another thing that people need to get a hold of. Right. And yep. that is you have a job Absolutely. that pays the bills, Absolutely. right. That makes sure that mama and the baby aren't out on the street, you know, on the a corner, good job, by the way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't leave that. No. And say, I, I hate this job or I don't like this job or this job didn't get me where I want to go. So I'm gone Yep. and I'm going to start my own business. So if I understand you, which is what I preach to my kids, and that is you have a day job that pays your bills, Yep. right? And this comes from, 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 uh, what's the guy on Shark Tank, uh, FUBU guy, John, uh, Damon, Damon Johns, right? Yes. Damon Johns. Damon John. Yeah. Damon John. I, re- I read his book, uh, power or, um, power broke. I think, right? No, I can't remember. It's, it's powers in the name of it. Man, all my books are in storage while I'm moving. But anyway, I remember him saying that his mama told him something to the effect, and I'm going to screw this up. This is, this is going to be a, a really rough quote, but something to the effect. And I read this years ago. Um, your day job pays the bills. Your night job pays you. Absolutely. Hey, right. So the way I like to say it is the, the times you work for free usually pay you the most. Hmm is you might get paid going to an appointment or doing something, but the work that you put in that doesn't pay you right away actually will end up paying you more Hmm. than others. Whether that's an hour of giving time to somebody else, Hmm. um, just out of your own, you know, intention or help that free time, that extra time that you're building your dream or you're helping someone else out, uh, usually has the greatest dividends. And and often, right. That, Having to do the side gig, the side hustle, right, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, but that seems to be what most people understand when you say, yep. you know, you've got your day job, but then you've got your night hustle, your side hustle, which is where you're really, you're going to work that until that you're able to take that and make that overcome your day job, that is right? That ain't easy. No. Dude, absolutely. that's hard work. You're freaking, you're going into work at seven in the morning, getting off at five or six at night and, and the day's just beginning. Well, and it's beyond that with me. So when I started getting it, so kind of give you a picture. It took me 12 months, literally December. I think it was the day before Christmas. I bought a course to learn what I do now from a basic perspective. Uh, it took me three months to do my first deal and I left Chase literally December 15th, the next year, almost an exact year, right under an exact year. But during that time, what that looked like is I went in in the morning, worked almost every day. I, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but as much as I possibly could, I had a lunch appointment. So I didn't, I didn't go eat lunch. I like brought a sandwich or I stopped by, you know, raising canes on my way. I met somebody in the real estate realm, whether it was a seller or something at lunch, 
uh, or an investor as I was trying to meet with people. And then I'd go back to Chase, sometimes late, which I've got a funny story about that, but come back. And then after work, I was bandit signs on the street. I was going to seller appointments. I was doing that. And then Saturday was my all day where I could actually focus. I remember being in Chase the very first time I sent out postcards, like just trying to get leads. And I'm sitting in Chase, and all of a sudden my phone starts vibrating in my pocket. And I think I sent out like 4,000 postcards or something. Uh, And it literally vibrated in my pocket all day while I'm at work. I could not wait to give these people a call back. Lunchtime, boom. I'm out there. I'm calling like, I think I talked to like six people. Back, I went home. I told my wife, hey, sorry, I can't do this. And I called people. And to give you a picture and to give people a picture, I mean, what that means is... One, I made enough money. I made some good money. We can get into that once I started getting going. And But the side hustle means you get up in the morning, you go to your day job. You're not eating lunch. You're figuring it out. Then afterwards, you're coming back. I had my second child at this time, Jude. And I don't remember a lot of Jude being a baby. Because it took me literally probably 14 hours a day of figuring this other business out while trying to make money. I got screwed by one guy, I, you know what I'm saying? And just trying to make it work. I was out of pocket cause I bought some education courses. I think I was like $6,000 in, I made my first $3,000. I'm like, yes, but I'm still $3,000 behind. Right. Mm. And man, it was a lot of work. And I think people, so let me, hold on, let me back up before I do that. Would you, would it, when you started doing this, yeah, the real estate, you said that previously you'd not even really thought about it. That's correct. So it wouldn't be fair to say that you grew up and saw this as your passion. No. Do, I committed you, basically, and a lot of people say not to start here, but uh, I saw the potential of the money I could make. Mm-hmm. That's When it came to it is I could be with my family more and I can make a ton of money. That's what I saw in real estate mm-hmm. initially. Right. Um, and as a lot of guys, basically what happened, and, and it wasn't a conscious choice at that time, but I committed. And it did not matter what needed to happen. I was, I was faxing contracts from Chase that document everything that goes through their... Per- I faxed a $9,000 assignment. I basically made $9,000 on this deal that I did. And my manager saw it and he pulled me into his office and he's like, you can't do this. He's like, but what are you doing? How do you make nine grand? I was like, oh, well, and I kind of fumbled around a little bit and I was like, this is what I'm doing on the side. And he's like, oh, and he kind of, he's like, so if you're making this kind of money, why are you still here? He's like, well, the goal is not to be here. And that was four months before I left. I was like, but I'm not going anywhere for a while. Well, what was cool is he was an awesome guy. We're actually still friends to this day. But he supported me in what I was doing. He could have very easily, I could have gotten in a lot of trouble, all of that. But I'm doing that while I'm just trying to figure it out. Because I that that was my goal. I wanted to make some money because I wanted to be able to I wanted to be able to be the great. Well, hold on dad. a second, because I, I think it's interesting. You you made this comment, and I think this is really a cool comment that you made. I'm trying to figure it out. So so let me just let me make sure I understand. Are you saying to me and everybody else that you didn't have it all figured out at this point? 
No, all I knew was I can make money doing this. <laughs> That's all <laughs> right? I knew. Oh, I knew that if I faked people, it. Well, how many people get shut down? We we were talking about this before we came on, right? Yep. How many? And and I'm one of them. I I tend to be this very. Well, it's interesting. It depends on what you're talking about. But very often, I tend to be a very linear thinker, mm-hmm. right? A very logical, analytical, linear, just tube tunnel vision. And and that tunnel has to be just the right circumference, the right, you know. Yep. And and if it's not, I'll I'll pro, I'll procrastinate. Not not intentional procrastination, but subsequent yeah. procrastination. Well, and what I find is people procrastinate not in the stuff that doesn't doesn't uh, people procrastinate when other people are involved. So let me give you an example: is when it comes to talking to people, specifically, usually in the sales realm, but anything that has to do with getting other people on board, people get buried in fear. I got to have it right. I don't know what the conversation. But people will sit and create a website for seven hours. People will sit and research for hours. They'll take action in things that doesn't involve interacting with other people. The problem is you only can create an economy and transact if you talk to people. And so if, and that would be a a source of where I felt like I dived in is, dude, I just wanted to talk to everybody. I went on appointments. I pretended like I knew what I was talking about. I, you know, and there's a part of that where there, you know, you want to tell people you're not, you don't know what you don't know. And I've learned a lot, but there, I just dove in. I basically was just like, this guy, and this is actually still something I keep to this day, this person saying yes is in the way of my family's financial future. Mm. So I don't care if I've got to sit in this chair for four hours. Like I've been where people stand up getting ready to go, and I'm just like, dude, like I'll just keep talking. They stand up, and then I just, I'll ask them another question. So how does that work? And they sit right back down because I just don't even move. So let me ask you a question because I, I've talked about this on videos that I post that oftentimes, it, I mean, there can be a number of reasons why people fail to launch. Yes. In whatever it is they're doing, right? There could be a million reasons. <laughs> but one of the things, and I think, and that, and and I don't want to, you know, artificially insert something that really doesn't belong, but I think it belongs here, and that's the name of this podcast: "Suffer First, Glory Second. And that is, you have a you have a goal, you have a success achievement that you want to achieve, right? Yep. That you want to capture. I want to do this. I want to make a lot of money for my family. I want to be able to travel when I want to. I want to go to Scotland and spend a month. Yep. God bless you. Yep. By the way, congratulations. I did do that. You're yep. our winner of life. Um, <laughs> we were in Ireland, but we were in Scotland for a but, week. But there's all sorts of things that you want to achieve, right? Yep. But to, how many times do people fail to launch because they fear to suffer, right? Because failure failure can and very often does happen. Yep. They, plans get sideways. Wheels come off. Trains come off tracks. Planes hit turbulence. Shit happens. Absolutely. Right? As the saying goes. Yep. And, and that doesn't matter what you do. And oftentimes people put off beginning, getting on the track to go get their glory because they're, they have suffer avoidance. Yeah. Well, what if it goes wrong? What if I'm not planned well enough? What if I, now, right? You need a plan. Absolutely, you need a plan. But but you better know that your plan is not gonna is not gonna encompass every single thing that could possibly go wrong. It's gonna happen. Absolutely. Failure will occur. Setbacks will happen. Consequences to bad decisions will happen. All of that will happen. Yep. 
But who does it not happen to who, who, who makes a lot of money that achieve what they want? And I don't care if it's business, real estate, banking, uh, health, bodybuilding, powerlifting, skateboarding, ballet. People get sore toes. They hurt their back. They fall off. Well, it and happens. This, and this is where I think it would help You know, people hit brick walls and they're not able to get through or they screw somebody in business or they um, make a bad mistake and they get screwed and they get burnt. The problem is we don't, like you said, we don't know everything as an individual. And so either you can just shrug it off, right? Which is what some people do and they just deal with it. Um, you can just man up, right? Tuck in your, pull up your bootstraps and make it happen. Or you can look to other people who figured out a process to deal with failure, right? How do you deal with it? How do you process it? And how do you move forward? Um, because if you can take your failure and you can learn from it, I think that is one of the greatest things that you can do is when you learn, okay, what happened? Why did this happen? What did I not know? What do I know now? What would I have done differently? Do I have to mend any relationships? And you know what? Now I just got to accept it. I'm a different person. I've learned, I've grow, I've grown. And if I could go back, I'd do it differently. So have but you had you know to what? have you had to suffer at all doing this? Did this just come blat you know, just crazy easy to I you? just I just woke up and you were making money. Making no. Uh there's a I mean I mean I'm assuming you've I got, had deals fail, you've had people screw you, you've mentioned it a little bit, yep. right? I we live in a world of other people. Absolutely. If it was just me, if you and everybody else didn't exist, then I could probably failures wouldn't feel so bad, right? Yep. My feelings would never get hurt. People would never betray me. People would always keep their commitments. I, all of those things, right? If it just was on me, I like to think anyway. Maybe not. But if it was just <laughs> me, I like to believe I could. I man, I would be a superstar. Yeah. But I have to walk and live among other human beings Absolutely. who are who are who are frail who don't care about what I care about. Yep. They're not invested in my success or your success. They just don't give well, a crap. Well, and beyond that, you know, I think a lot of people idealize like, man, if it was just me, it'd be awesome. But I don't actually believe that. You know, I, even in my own, you know, I feel like I have a, a higher ethical standard or I, I try to believe that. Um, but even in the moments I was on Facebook the other day in one of the groups and one of the guys like, I lied to a client and now I'm caught in it. What do I do? You know, and it was a deeper circumstance. And the answer is, bro, you eat the frog and you tell him you lied. Yeah. But that's the thing is, if it is up to us, we're going to get into a situation where it's easier to lie in a moment. And you got to eat that frog or you got to live with yourself after what happens. Well, and I think that's the point, right? Is that we like to believe that if it was just Absolutely. us, we would, right? But it's the not point, true. No, it's not. And and if it was me, I would have to suffer through my BS as well, yep. right? But as it is, I live in a world of other people yep. who are not going to be nearly as invested in my success as I am and my family is. The, all sorts of circumstances that are going to come against me, yes. right? Now, there are going to be those who do come alongside of us and, and want to help us. Yep. Because you've already said that one of the things that a person needs to do is they need to be giving. Absolutely. They need to be charitable. They need to look out for people other than just themselves. And well, surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there are people out there with that kind of, you know, thought process and moral compass, right? Yep. Because they know that that stuff does come back um, in good ways to them. 
But there are other people out there that they're only in it for number one. Yep. Screw you. I'll lie to you. I'll cheat you. I'll do whatever it is. And you will run into those people. Absolutely. And you're going to suffer the consequences of running into those people. Yep. Then the question is, what now? Is it just go, 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 go? Or is it like, screw this, man. The world's against me. I hate this. I'm going to go get a job at McDonald's. Not to, <laughs> by the way, just FYI, this is not a case against McDonald's. Fine company, yes. obviously. A real estate company, by the way. Yeah. Don't kid yourself. Hamburgers are just a byproduct of their real estate investments. Yep. Am I right? Yep, absolutely. That, That's how those son of a guns made it happen. Meant, hell yeah. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I've heard this. Whether it's right or wrong, it uh, he made it happen. Well, he you, got it. You made, you, I would expect that you would know this better than me, but I've heard that Wendy's doesn't research where they're going to put their properties. I've heard that the only research that they do now, this is probably a very, very oversimplification yeah. here. But I've heard that Wendy's just watches McDonald's wherever you, and just, I mean, now, <laughs> it's now not, think about this. Think about where you've seen McDonald's go up. Yep. What is within a mile of every McDonald's? Freaking Wendy's. Yep. I, I Even here in a little podunk ass Forney, McDonald's goes up, up here on 80, half a mile away east, Wendy's. I, it's everywhere. I look over in Mesquite as I'm going down 80, right there at 80 and Beltline. McDonald's, right across the street. Wendy's. Wendy's. Who was there first? Every time. McDonald's. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm just saying is That's that- That's a funny business. That, that is funny. It, it's, it, go find a McDonald's. If you want to, I'll tell you what, if you want a Wendy's hamburger and french fries, Google McDonald's and just go to that <laughs> McDonald's and look across the street because oh, Wendy's God. is there. Freaking redheaded, man, she's there. <laughs> But anyway, I, but the point being is right is that it's it's so easy to say this, but it's so hard to practice unless you go in to whatever it is you're going to do, right? And, and it doesn't mean that careers don't change. Yours did, absolutely, right? Things change, but they need to change on the move, right? Yeah. Not not from some sort of static position of like you know this just is BS. I just don't want to do this anymore, but. It, it's it's a movement. You were moving and things change. Plans change on the move. All good plans get changed. They get adapted to, to current circumstances. But you don't quit. You don't stop. You keep going. You expect suffering. You expect pain. You expect things to go wrong. You expect people to cheat you. I'm assuming that you have contingency plans. Yep. I bet you are already thinking about if this deal goes wrong, if somebody screws me, I've got a plan in place that, one, I can either mitigate the how bad it is. Yeah. Or two, I can swivel and I can do something else. Well, and I think what you're doing. But it doesn't at, mean it doesn't hurt. No. Doesn't absolutely. mean it doesn't painful. It doesn't mean you don't suffer a little bit for it. But the end result, the glory, the success that I'm trying to achieve for me and my family commits me to be ready for it. Well, and I think that that is where you do I think Gary V calls it uh, you know, you're patiently moving fast. Mm. Right? That Everyone expects so much to happen in the short term while doing nothing. Yeah. Right? They expect to make their first million in six months when they have no action today. <laughs> right? And instead of thinking, you know what, my first million might take me three to five years because it's usually the hardest because you're figuring stuff out and you don't understand leverage and you're trying to figure out your work ethic and you're trying to figure out your plans and, and, doing a lot today 
you know, and, and I think the, the running and working and continuing is very important, but I also think it's good when we talk about plans that you prepare before you go, but you can't spend forever preparing. I mean, I think of like, like, uh, a Navy, uh, a Navy seal, right? I was actually reading a book, uh, by, uh, it's called, um, the white collar warrior. Really good. If you write, it's by uh, Bill Hart. I just heard him speak at, uh, at a conference I was at recently. And he talks about, uh, discipline in the book. Okay. And he talks about the warrior. And I, I think it's important that yes, we run and we do whatever we can, but taking literally waking up in the morning and getting present and being aware today, right? So you have the moment where I'm not just busy all the time. I wake up, some people do meditating, some people pray, but literally taking 10 minutes to just calm everything down, do your journal. What are the must do's for today? What do I have to do? What am I grateful for? And then once that's done, diving into your plan and running at it full force. Mm. And then even taking a once a week or once a year, like right now planning for 2019, taking three days. What does this look like? Creating a plan and then on a weekly basis, analyzing that plan. What do I have to do this week to hit this? And then on a quarterly, and what you're doing is you're planning, then you're taking action. And then you're planning on a micro level from like today, what are the things that, and then you're taking action full force. And then if you get past those things or you do more, you have other stuff that needs to be done. But what you're doing is it's constantly a switch between planning, action, planning, action. If you just take action, you might be digging a hole in a direction you don't want to go. But if you're just planning, you're never going to get anywhere. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a balance of both. That's very important. Um, so anyway. So I want to back up just a second. You mentioned something that I wanted to get to later, but now that we're on it, let's just deal with it while we're here so that I don't forget and my notes don't get all rambled. You mentioned kind of an orderly day. Yeah. You, you started off with, you said you get up, you do this, you do that. So when I think of that, right, because I too have, I have kind of a morning ritual. Yep. For lack of a better term. Some people get a little uncomfortable with that word, but it is what it is. A ritual is just something that you do religiously every day. Absolutely. It, it's an order, yep. right? It's a, it's a focus. Yep. Um, tell me a little bit about... Think rituals are good things. Oh, I, I think, think a lot of people I think they're awesome. have a problem with them, but I think if you have... Whether you think you do or not, a ritual could be a habit. And your habits will end up chaining you either for weal or for woe. Yeah. Exactly. They will chain you either way. Yeah. So some people have piss poor rituals, Yep. right? That just makes them lazy, lethargic, kind of loads. Yep. And some people have rituals that make them energized, focused, and just kick ass. Absolutely. Right? So, so let's back up for just a second. Uh, I, I don't want you to feel like you need to go into every minute detail, but I want you to feel free to go into any that you want to. I would be curious for everybody to know walk us through a day. What's a morning ritual look like for you when you wake up? Like what are you one of those guys? And you know, like, are you one of those guys like that? I got to be up out of bed at, you know, five in the morning and I'm starting, I'm going, I'm, I'm having coffee. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't care what it is. Nobody cares, but you're obviously being very successful. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, 
your ritual works for you. And I think people, myself included sometimes, I think, oh, well, that dude's ritual is the best. I want to do his ritual, right? (laughs) When it doesn't fit me. It doesn't fit who I am or where I'm going. So I I think we have to be cautious about being, you know, trying to mirror everything. But I'm curious, what does yours look like? Yeah, so um, I don't want to be the guy that says I have a, this is what I do every day, because that would be a oversimplification. And the truth is I got four little kids and they wake up early quite often. Mm. So just to preface it with that, but my ideal morning, let me put it this way, my ideal morning, because my kids wake up anywhere from 530 to 7. And if I can get up by five, sometimes I've got 20 minutes. Sometimes my kid is tapping me on the shoulder before I get up just to kind of give you a picture. But ideally I copy the morning ritual of, if you heard the book miracle morning, okay, is in the miracle morning, he talks about all of these best practices for the morning. Okay. And you know, some people want to, you know, read, Some people want to journal. Some people want to meditate. Some people want to, uh, you know, drink a glass of water right away. Some people want to exercise, right? There's all these great things we're told to do in the morning. Well, the problem is I hate getting up in the morning. Absolutely hate it. So what energizes me, and this is what the morning ritual, the miracle morning, and why I, I love that book so much and why it's really made an impact on me is he says, take all of that and do all of them within 30 minutes. So literally when I get up, it's a glass of water that I prep the night before. So I can help me get up. I get dressed, put the coffee pot on. I sit down. I do just a getting present, basically just relax, basically four to six minutes of meditation. Music involved in that or is it just silence? It's just silence. I literally sit on the couch and it's just a, I'm just breathing. I'm just trying to relax. I've got a thousand things I want to think about, but I don't want to think about them. The idea is just to then, uh, actually before that, I I think of three things that I'm grateful for. It's something that I learned from my coach, uh, somebody that I look up to, um, Wayne Salmon. He's an awesome guy. But uh, he talks about starting your day with what you're grateful for. So that's where I go. I, I think of three things. Sometimes I write them down. Sometimes I don't. Um, that I'm grateful for. Then I just try to remove everything from my mind, which sounds crazy, but it, it works. Um, where I'm just trying to relax. And then I go into my Bible reading. Uh, I try to read 10 pages of a good book or more. Um, I end up doing more reading after my morning, like I'll try to put in my 30 minutes or an hour because I read quite a bit. Um, but I'll do 10 pages. Then I'll uh, sit down and I'll write down what does my day look like? What are the things I have to get on? Not a to-do list, but like for me to hit my goals, right? If if I want to accomplish 80 transactions this year, what do I have to do today? What is my must, right? And I'll write down those things. Um then I'll do a little bit of exercise, which I'm terrible at exercising, but I just do it in my house. It's basically 10 or 15 minutes. And um, then usually by that time, either a kid's up or something like that. And then I go into, they like Daniel Tiger in the morning. Um, so I'll sit with them. I'll make coffee. I'll get stuff ready for my wife and tie And then I'll try to pick up a book. So let me ask you this. Have you always your whole life, have you been a reader? Uh, no, I started reading in high school. When? High school. High school? Yeah. So do you think, 
I, I, I try to be very cautious about um, like just making complete blanket statements that yeah. if this is true for me, you, and the other guy, yep, that it has to and always must be true for every single other person. Right. right. Try to be cautious about that. But I think there's some, I think there are some um, things that the majority of people, should they engage in it, they would see that it would make them more successful. Absolutely. So, so do you think that in order to be successful, no matter what your particular craft is, and I, I mean, there, I mean, gosh, there, <laughs> there's a million things, right, or more. But do you think that reading needs to be a part of that? I do. Why do you Why do you think that is? Because reading allows you to get into the mind of another individual, and if that other individual is more successful than you, um, or has success in an area that you want to be successful, the more knowledge you gain only helps you in your practice. It's kind of that that planning. Um, I think a breadth of knowledge and specific focuses are important. I think to go wide and then to go deep. Um, I, you know, I, I think it was three years ago, I was challenged uh, by a big name. He said, he made a quote, he said, uh, the average American reads one book a year. Uh, and assuming that's a business book, if you read a book a week, you'll have a 52 to one advantage over your common individual. CEOs normally read 50 to 60 books a year. And that sparked a huge fire in me. I was like, wow. I can have now I think over the last couple of years it's actually gotten more people especially in the business world with the side hustle where we're at uh to think oh I'm gonna have a 51 to one advantage I think is unrealistic over the last couple of years especially in the business world because a lot of people are now reading books hmm. I think now it's about being focused in your time and reading more and not just having the knowledge of a negotiation book but uh, actually practicing and putting a plan together based on that book. Um, and that's where I, I talk about going deep and wanting to go deep. But um, definitely a, a breadth of knowledge. I mean, a wide spectrum. It, it can't hurt you. It's only going to help you. There can be no doubt, right, that some people have become very successful without being a reader. That, Absolutely. It has to, right. But they are a student. Understood. They're getting it from somewhere. Absolutely. The reality is... Or that, someone on their team is a reader that informs them. Right, exactly. But but they're not tabula rasa, right? They're not a blank slate and just, I got this. Yep. I want to do... I want to be blah. All knowledge resides within me. I can make this happen, right? I I almost find one that reading one, it, it teaches me, yep. right? I I don't know a lot. I need somebody to come alongside me and train me and teach me. And the book is the quickest and easiest and most convenient way to do well, that. My, uh, and the least my expensive, mentors, by the yeah, way. So one of my mentors, the way he describes it as is with reading or getting a coach or getting a mentor or paying a consultant or whatever, it allows you to, instead of learning by experience, which takes the longest Right, because I have to do something, I have to get it, I have to analyze it, I have to figure it out, and it might take me two years. And might have to fail through it. And I have to fail through it. What reading or getting a mentor or learning from someone else, it allows you to collapse time. Okay. Mm. So, um, and he uses this phrase a lot. It's it's actually really helped me even in my pictures. If I can learn from you what I'm trying to do, 
and you're doing it successfully. I don't have to go through all your failures over the last 10 years. If I pay you to come and help me, I can collapse the 10 years it took you to do it and I can do it in one. Mm. And so what happens is that is with both books and individuals applying it to you is if you can use the book effectively, you can collapse time in whatever nugget that you're pulling. Mm. And if you think about it that way, <clears throat> uh, how much, I mean, do you want to spend a hundred years learning by experience? I would say no. Rather take 2,000 years or 5,000 years of other people's experience, right? If one guy, it took him five years of learning and then writing the book and all that stuff, and you can maximize that and you've got 20 of the best books that apply to your industry and your skills and whatever you're doing, and you can master those that took collectively those people to, you know, 100 years between the five or 10 of them, then all of a sudden you collapsed 100 years, applied it to your situation, how much how much further are we going I love that I love that that saying I can collapse time I wish I could say it was mine but it's not (laughs) no I understand but I mean that is a how cool is that right And, and I wonder how many people drop out because of the time investment that's required, right? And the failure, the struggles, the success, the failure, the strike, right? Because it's a, it, we've all seen the memes and yep. the little charts, right? Success is not a straight linear line. Absolutely. It circles. One day I'm doing awesome. Next day it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose everything. Yeah, it's horrible, right? Yep. It, can, it can feel like a complete and total, you know, sh- you know, your ship is in the middle of a typhoon, right? Yep. Um, but if I could collapse that time, right, where I'm, I could, I can, you know, not have to go through so many ups and downs and failures before I reach, you know, kind of my first plateau of success that I'm looking for by using somebody else. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Why would well, you not, and, why would and, you not do and, that? And a, and a lot of individuals, especially new who are not on the knowledgeable side of business, so at least what I said from a peer level. And this is why peer groups are, are, I think so important is you have one guy who says, dude, you're in your third year of business. You're doing awesome. And yet there's this other company that in their third year of business, they just did $10 million. Hmm. And you're like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. I got to be patient in my practice, but they know something I don't. Hmm. So if it takes me spending and I'll just, if it takes me spending $10,000 to sit in a room with that guy for three days Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to invest in my own education mm. to learn because think of the opportunity growth. All of a sudden, my world gets transformed mm. by the knowledge someone else has. And that's that's what books provide because mm. you get into people's minds. The The benefit of the mentor is they get to take what's in their mind and apply it directly to you, right? The book, you have to do that. And it's easy just to read the book. Some people can't, you know, it's hard to read the book, but mm. first it's reading. Right. Then it's like sitting down and analyzing and say, okay, well, how can I use this? Then it's understanding that in six months from now, I'm probably only going to remember three things from the book. Right. And effective time management. And then saying, okay, well, what three things or what one thing do I want to apply from the book today? Mm-hmm. And start adding. And then you're, as Charlie Munger says, you know, you're getting smarter day by day, line upon line, a little smarter every day before you go to bed. And then 10 years from now, there's this bell curve that, you know, or J curve that goes up um, rather than trying to figure it all out and just say, oh, I'm going to read this whole book and I'm going to know it because six months from now, you're not. And I would, and I would suggest that if you're going to, st- you know, I think everybody should be, a reader. I love reading. 
I mean, there are some books that are dry and that just, it's painful to read, but I read them anyway, just cause I like reading. Um, but I will tell you if, if, uh, I, I highly suggest that people read and read a lot, but I also suggest that you find somebody who's already doing it and has been doing it so yep. that you can get, so that they can help you find the books you should be reading. Because one of the things I do hate and really pisses me off is these guys that are making money on books. And I think everybody should make money Absolutely. by what they're doing. I, I, I don't begrudge them making money off of selling their knowledge. I hope to do that someday. But what makes me insane is, is when I buy a book and it's kind of like the first book of a, a quote unquote series and all that book is, is an advertisement for the next book. Yeah. There's really nothing in there. No takeaways. Right. Or if they are, they're so infinitesimal. It's just, it's, it's almost like they're baiting me, right? It's like, they're just reeling me in with a minnow when you promised me steak and, and all it becomes is, you know, man, I'm going to discuss this in my next book. We're going to talk about time management and journaling and how it really can catapult you to the next level. But right now, we're not going to really talk about that. I want to tell you a little bit about what the next book's going to be. It just pisses me off. And I end up spending, I just put $15 into your pocket and you gave me you gave me 50 cents. Well, and the way to, the way to mitigate that or how I deal with that is I, I, I'll, I don't necessarily pre-screen all the books that I buy. Okay. Um, but what I will do is as I'm going through my reading list, I'll pick up a book and I'll read the table of contents. I'll read the first chapter and the last chapter, especially if it's like, you know, people have, you know, 30 pages of something they want to say, but they got to fill it with stories. Right. Which is, which is great. Um, and what I'll do is I'll read the table of contents to get an idea of his premise, right. Of what he's going to talk about. I'll read the first chapter. I'll read the last chapter. This is with like a lot of how-to books yeah. and today. And then I'll say, okay, that was great. And then I might pick a chapter in the middle and say, I want to learn about that. And I'll just jump to there. And right away, I'm going to have a great sense of the overall themes of the book. What are the main headings? What are the main points? And then if I need an explanation on a point, I can read one of his stories as to further enlighten me. And then I can decide really quick, you know what? This book is terrible Yeah, because the truth is we're probably only, if we're good readers, um, I did the math. We're probably only, I don't remember at this point, but I think it's like, you're only going to read about two to, I think it's like 2,400 books in your lifetime. If you're a legit reader. Yeah. And so when you think about it from that point, it's, well, what books am I going to read? Yeah. And then not only what books am I going to read, but what books am I going to read? again and again and again every year yeah. you know you might find a you know poor what is it poor charlie's almanac that you read it once twice three times a year uh because it's just a fantastic book about business and about principles and it comes from one of the greatest businessmen of all time mm -hmm. at least in our century right yeah. um but then you might read a book by another guy and it's horrible. And you might just scan through it literally in Barnes and Noble in 15 minutes, pull out two nuggets and say the rest of it's not worth my time. Yeah. Um, and I think being very aware of that in reading is important. Otherwise you'll, you'll read for just entertainment, like watching a movie and you'll waste your time. Yeah. So you mentioned something else. You mentioned journaling. Yes. Do you, are you a journaler? No, no, I'm not actually a journaler. So, in journaling, what um, 
what I try to do, I say no because I don't write pages of journals. I've tried to do that. I've tried to do that for a long time, and I'm very bad at it. Um, however, what I do like journaling is the things I'm grateful for and literally just writing them out because it, sometimes it's nice to be able to go back to a date and look at, man, you know, I, I was, I, you know, and a lot of them are very similar, you know, family, faith, stuff that went well in business, you know, just very general things, but it reminds you to be grateful of things when you're having, when you're down in the dumps, right? Mm-hmm. When you get knocked down, you can go back and look and look through a couple of days of just one or two statements of things that, Hey, I need to be grateful. Then I like to write down my must do's for the day. Um, and if I write those down just in literally five to 10 words, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And then at the end of the day, successes that I had that day, not accomplished tasks, but just successes that happened as a result. Sometimes there's two things. Sometimes there's none. Sometimes there's five. Um, sometimes they're really big, but if I can just literally write sentences on, and I've, I've got a three ring binder with paper. It's not like a little journal book. It's just a three ring binder. Um, one of my, one of my coaches, one of my other mentors, he, uh, he's got basically the, the perfect day sheet, which is the journal sheet that I use. It's not very pretty. It's bulky, but it works for me. Um, and literally I just write it down and it allows me to go back. And then at the end of the day, an evening ritual, which is very similar to the morning, um, with like affirmations and such, uh, I can go back, I can write them down. And now I've got literally nine to 12 sentences of a, of a day. So do you keep track of, Obviously, you already. I heard you mention at the. End, I think you said at the end you have a success, like the successes yep. I had that day. Do you keep track of of stuff that gets sideways? No, no. Is is that a is that a mental thing? Is that something you just know? I'm going to remember. Um, I mean, like if you have a deal go sideways, yeah. right? I mean, that's what you're doing all day, right? Yep. You're doing you're doing deals. I'm yep. selling this and that, right? Is it just you're mentally tracking? You know, something got sideways. I need to remember this because I, this is not going to happen again. Right? Um, not or, so much. I uh, I usually, when stuff like that happens, I tend to be quite moody. I tend to, you know, get really, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. This happens. I'll push people, whether it's one of my employees, this has to happen, or I'll remind myself. It's, you know, I don't keep track of those because we tend to do that naturally already. You know what I'm saying? If someone yeah. goes around me on a deal, right, and something happens, I'm not going to forget that. So I don't need to write that down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to focus on those things. It's harder to let those things go. And that's where, for me, I would rather, you know what, we're moving on. If there's a lesson there, I'll try to, okay, what what did I what could I have done differently? What would we do in the next time? This is what needs to happen. And then I just, I process it and move on. Yeah. And the reason I ask that is, is because I, I, I'm not, I, I don't do it consistently. I, I do it inconsistently more for one. I want to, I want to be able to someday look back and say, cause I want to track successes and failures. Yep. I mean, the, the name of my company and the nature of my company, just it invites me to do that, right? I, that <laughs> I've got to suffer, right? Yep. And, and 
and people will, if you're just now, by the way, let me just, a little caveat. If this is the first time you've listened and you're hearing me talk about suffering and glory and suffering and glory, go back in the podcast and listen for the definitions because I'm not going to define this on every show. That's just, yeah, that just beat me down and make me never want to do this again. But I, life for those who want to do something, who have something that they really want to achieve, life tends to be a process of suffer glory, suffer glory, failure, achievement, failure, achievement. And, and the hope would be right. Is that the glory, the achievement piece becomes to outpace and become greater and greater and more and more. Right. And, and less and less of suffering, suffering, never going to go away. Failure is never going to go away. Hard times are never going to go away. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Suffering. I texted her and said, "Would you please bring him a glass oh. of water?" Because I saw you ran out about two hours ago. <laughs> no problem. Um, I, I, uh, it never goes away. Suffering, pain, never goes away. But the hope would be is that at least we're not continually just constantly making the same old mistakes, continually having the same failures for the same reasons over and over again. And so, I'm not good about being consistent about. Well, and think of it this way: when I when I think of suffer first and glory, you know, it's kind of like uh, now I'm I'm a terrible exerciser, but I feel like the analogy is is good. Is you know, it's like when you're working out or doing, you know, you're breaking down your muscles. Your muscles are suffering every morning. They're uncomfortable, and they're going to rest, but they're going to expand, right? And they're going to get bigger. You're going to get more fit, but it's something that is a daily ritual for your health, right? It's breaking down, it's rebuilding, it's breaking down, it's rebuilding. And that is something that at some point that you know, the guy who looks great, or the girl who looks great, is one who is constantly, ritualistically, probably uh, has a pattern of doing the mundane, being uncomfortable, uh, consistently, and growing. And, and, and to just build on that for just a second, just in, in, in terms of, because I think most people are hope that most people can relate to this at least, you know, in their thoughts. And that is, is that in the world of, of, you know, of, of, of weight training and that sort of thing, it's, it's not simply that you train, your muscle begins to develop these little micro, micro tears and bleed. And then at night you rest and those muscle tears repair and grow bigger it's not that just your muscle grows bigger, but you're able to handle greater weight loads. Yeah, absolutely. You become stronger, right? That's the, so you have a, you have a dual benefit, right? So you, you begin to look better. Actually, it's a multiplicity of, of benefits. You look better, you feel better, uh, you move better, you live longer, you get stronger. I mean, it's, 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 it begins to infect every part of your life, yes. right? you don't just get stronger mentally you get or, or physically you get stronger mentally right because now i know you know when i first started i could bench press 90 pounds right now i can bench press 275 pounds right well yep. that's that's you know 3 years difference but i i can mentally in my mind track this process works yes and it wasn't always exciting i love the fact i i don't know if you can see this i wrote this down about 30 minutes ago ordinary and mundane yeah because I also think, and I, I'd love to hear your 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 thoughts on this, that I would be willing to bet half of my salary, not all of it, but half, because I do have to eat and 
And if I'm if I lose, I don't want to. I still want to eat. But I bet the things that you do during the day, on a typical day, are very ordinary. They're very mundane. There's nothing exciting about them. There's nothing extraordinary about them. In some instances, it may be even boring. That it's just it's not. You know, there aren't firecrackers going off and and bands and parades coming by your office. The deal is exciting. The closing yeah. is exciting, right? The end result can be exciting. The paycheck can be exciting. But all of the things leading up to the deal, the closing, the paycheck, blah, 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 right? Yep. Tell me about how much just blow out excitement and just, man, this is just always awesome. Uh, the excitement really comes, at least for me, excitement comes in moments, right? It comes when you're actually talking, right? Like we are now. It comes in the moment where you're nailing what you've prepared for. You know what I'm saying? What you've uh, thought about or you're talking to somebody or you're able to come to an agreement and now there's emotion there. Where the mundane comes in is you got to answer the phone first, right? You got to go out and talk to people you've never met before first. How many people like meeting a brand new person? Not a lot of people that I know, at least when I hire people, usually the hardest thing is getting them to talk to other humans. They usually just want to sit in front of their computer or look on Facebook, right? Um, my employees are awesome, by the way, but I have had that. Um, and the the tendency, I think, is we think that great things happen because of these large gaps, like these large leaps, but really it's consistent small effort lots of it over time i just keep that right there plan plus execution plus consistency plus time equals success and i could probably add to that mundane ordinary execution or mundane ordinary items right it's i i isn't it an in I would say almost an indictment against the people who don't take action that it is everyone's looking for the secret, but it's not, you know, it's a, it's a consistency. It's a do the thing you don't want to do. It's a, yes, this thing is, has an amazing result, but it means you got to talk to a hundred people and a couple of, you know, there's so much that we don't like to do in the midst of what we're trying to achieve and it's not all flashy. It's just a matter of consistent time, prepping your plan, analyzing it, doing it, putting it in your schedule. Um, and then once it's in your schedule, keeping that, the things you say, that another thing one of, the, one of my coaches says is, if you, put it, if you say yes to something, guard the yes. You know, it's, it's if you say yes to something, it gives you permission to say no to other things. If, you know, Friday... You know, if, if, if I eat dinner with my family at this time and that's a commitment and being a, a good husband means X and I put that in my schedule, that means that if something comes and tries to intrude with that, even if it's a quote good opportunity, I can say no, I can confidently say no to that thing because I am guarding something that I said yes to. You know what else I see as, um, as, a, as an excuse that people, and again, I tend to, I, I, I've actually over the last number of years since, actually since May 30th, 2010, and that's a whole nother conversation. 
I've started to see things in terms of suffering and glory. I've started to see things in terms of avoiding suffering and then missing out on glory or success. I've tend to start thinking in those kind of terms. Yeah. One of the things that a lot of people get caught up in is that, and I think that over time as you, I, I think, uh, um, as you begin to kind of get a hold of the the philosophy of suffer first and then glory second, I think we start we start kind of being able to weed through this mentality. And that is, people tend to think that because people are successful, they were naturals at what they do. Yeah. Right? They were genetically gifted. They had some sort of DNA um, history that um, you know enabled them to be who and what they are. Right? Well, my daughter. Um, Actually, man, freaking all of my kids are going to, I probably will at some point listen to this. So let me just generically say all of my kids were very smart. They did well in school, blah, blah, blah. All right. So congratulations. You were all great. I love you all equally as much. All right. All right. With that said, one of my daughters is extremely good at math. Yeah. I, I, I mean, really good. You know, she's That's an 11th grader. She's an 11th grader going to college, doing college level math. I mean, she's, I, and I'm not saying that she's some sort of like, you know, lottery winner in, at, at math skills. I'm just simply saying she's good at what she does. Mm-hmm. And I told her, she said, I, she said that one of her friends said, man, you're just a natural at this. And I said, you should be offended by somebody calling you a natural at math. That should piss you off. Now, now, in reality, I, right, I don't want her getting pissed off at her friend, but but the thought I want her to, to have is, is that you are, while you may have some natural mental Affinities. abilities, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe a love for math that I don't have or whatever. Nevertheless, you should be offended by somebody boiling down your ability to do math to, wow, you're just a natural. Because I've seen you every day for the last, four or five years, six years, ever how long it's been, in your room, two to three hours a night, getting up early in the morning for an hour before school, studying, working, crying, agonizing yeah. over formulas that she just couldn't, couldn't make work in her head, but with continual, ordinary, mundane, hard-ass studying. Yeah. She became, in quotes, a natural. There ain't nothing natural about being able to freaking do high algebra or or trigonometry or geometry. It's called studying. It's yeah. called hard ass work. And there isn't anything natural about going out and and making, you know, fifty phone calls a day, being turned down by forty nine of them, going out to to meet people that you think are are solid clients, and they turn out to be just blowhards that aren't going to do anything. There's nothing natural about that. It's called hard work. Yeah. Every natural that you see that are multi-millionaires or multi-thousandaires or multi-hundredaires or whatever they are, right? All of those people, they're not naturals. They don't give up. Yeah. They work hard. They plan and they execute consistently and patiently over time and they get success. And then they are, I'm going to use this term, but I, you know what I mean when I say this, right? Nobody really ever quote unquote arrives, but they arrive at a level of success that others look at and go, wow, look yeah. at that. Yeah. And people point and go, I can't do that because he's a freaking natural. Well, if by natural you mean he'll outwork your ass and he'll put you in the dirt by consistent, you know, patience, planning, hard work, get up early, go to bed late, all of those things. If that's what you mean by natural, then yes, he's a natural. 
But if by natural you mean he woke up one day and realized that he had some sort of natural innate skill that just all of a sudden catapulted him to success, then you're an idiot. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, he has developed successful habits. And what he's done is he's taken the potential in him and he is trying to realize the potential. Hmm. And I think that's where everybody within us has potential. You know, every... Every father thinks his daughter and his son uh, has a gift. You know what I'm saying? Every, but the problem is, if it just stays potential, it's never actually realized. Mm. And to realize it means getting uncomfortable. It means developing some habits that might take longer than 20 days to create. You know, everyone's like, oh, a habit will take 20 days. Sometimes easier habits are. If you've got some bad habits, maybe it'll take longer. Maybe you'll never like going to the gym, mm. you know? Maybe you'll never like picking up the call, but you know what? You know, in order to hit my goal, I have to make 100 calls or I have to connect with 200 people this week. And 200 people means I got to call this many people in over six days. That means I got to call 40 people to connect with so many that gets me X. And even though I absolutely hate this activity more than anything in my entire life, to get me where I want to go, I got to do it. And you know what? That I think that's valuable right there. There are things that I want to do, even in my company, Suffer First. There are things in this company, activities that I have to do that I absolutely hate. Absolutely. I hate it. I, I, but I do it because there are other, I do it because I want it to be successful. And also, there's more things that I enjoy than things that I hate. Right. I remember a job that I had at, this is going to go way back. Um, um, some people will, and some people won't remember this. It's a, it's a bank called MBNA. What became nation's bank, what is now bank of America, okay. right? That progression. I was working there, um, in the mortgage department, in the, in the post closing department when it was MBNA. Um, and I remember, I, man, I was, you know, in my early 20s, mid 20s, and my boss was an older lady. She's probably in her 50s at that time. And I remember telling her, going into her office and saying, I, I wanted to do something different. I'd been doing what I was doing for a couple of years and I wanted to do yeah. something different. And I was a jack wagon. I mean, I, I had no real clear, I, I didn't have any clear goals or what I wanted to do. I just know I didn't want to do what I was doing now. Yeah. And she said, and, Big, long conversation. The point being was, she said, you need to understand is, is that no matter what you do, there will always be some parts of it that you don't enjoy. Absolutely. Always. That You're not going to escape that. That's not a thing. Yeah. A complete and total euphoric job, that's not a thing. Because, again, as we talked about earlier, humans, other humans exist. Yep. That's immediate. That's, the, that's an immediate roadblock. And... And and no no goal no success um, is is line, that none of those roads are lined with just easy. I love doing it all. There's there's always going to be something or some things that you're going to have to endure, and, and it will be just that. You shouldn't be surprised when you get to it and you go, I don't want to do that. Well, yeah. Well, and another you don't guy I do listened it. to, he said, you know, if you want to do something. Create a mini version of it first, right? Create a mini reality. So if you want to be an actor, go get in some plays and 
practice acting because being an actor is not what you see when you watch a movie. Right. You know what I'm saying? When we watch Avengers, I promise you, uh, the guy who plays Tony Stark, what's his name? Uh, Robbie Downey Jr. Robbie Downey Jr. is not flying above the earth. You know what I'm saying? When he looks at that, he's like, dang, that's pretty awesome. But when he's working, let's get it straight. When he's working and practicing and getting, and probably now he's so good at it that he barely has to practice because he spent years and years and years doing it. But, but that should be the case though, right? You should absolutely. get better. But even now his life is not when he's on screen, when he's acting, he's still actually working. And I think that's the thing is if there's tasks, what do I have to do? What are the most important things? What are the things that pay me the greatest and keep that? And then other stuff like admin in my world. That was my first hire. I don't want to do that. It does not actually help me grow my business. Uh, it has to happen. I'm going to hire somebody else. I'm going to give that so I can focus on more income generating activities. Mm. Right. And so being able to take the stuff that this is holding me back from growing and it's not my skill. So I'm going to give it to somebody else. Yeah. And that is the other option is if you hate something, you either suck it up and do it, you know, cause you, everyone prefers other things or hire somebody and pay them to do it. You know, I love, um, and I'm going to screw up the quote again, but Matthew Fraser, who's won the last two or the last three CrossFit games. This dude's just a freaking CrossFit beast. I mean, he's, you know, he's the fittest man in the world based on CrossFit standards, right? But anyway, in his la- in the last, um, after the last win uh, during an interview, said people, fans, viewers, whatever, they on because CrossFit lasts, I think it's four, four or five days. It's Thursday. I think it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, four days. It's a four-day event, right? And it's it's like the culmination of a year's worth of work. Actually, it's the culmination of a lifetime of work, right? It's not just a year. But I love his quote. He says, people only see me for four days. And they look out there and watch me do things that most people it's not that they can't, but that they won't. Yeah. Right. And they look at me and they say, oh man, that is a, it's, it's an incredible feat of power, strength, agility, blah, blah, blah. Right. But what they don't see is that past year of me down in my basement, throwing up, falling down, freaking just going till I pass out, just grinding hard in the mundane, the ordinary things that nobody else is willing to do. Everybody wants to get on the podium. Everybody wants the podium, right? Everybody wants yep. the glory, but nobody wants the callous calluses. Nobody wants the 4 a.m. wake up call to go out there and run for three miles. Nobody wants to read a book a week. Yep. Nobody wants to make 50 calls a day. Nobody wants to get objections thrown at them on a phone call or people saying, don't ever freaking call me again. How dare you, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that, but that is... Cakes aren't made up of just flour. You can't pour a, a, a bag of flour into a pot, put it on a table and go enjoy. That's not a cake, dude. Yeah. That's a freaking bag of flour. A cake is made up of flour and sugar and icing and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what all the hell's in this. Right. You know what <laughs> right. I mean, right? Yeah. There's a recipe, right? <laughs> <laughs> I really felt confident in that example yeah. and I was going, but then I ran out at flour and, yeah, and sugar. I was like, 
I don't know what the hell's in there. But the point being is, is that success is a recipe. And not all recipes are, not every ingredient is sexy. And everybody wants sexy. Yeah. Right? I, I want to drive the Beamer. And I want to live in the 6,000 square foot house. And I want to wear the tag. I, I want all those things because that's the sexy part. Mm-hmm. But I don't want people to tell me no. I don't want people to back out. I don't want to have to get up early and stay up late. I don't want to have to go to my day job and work my side hustle too. Right? I, I don't want any of those things. I just want the podium. That doesn't really exist. That's not a thing. Absolutely. It's not. That's not a real thing. That's what happens in Lord of the Rings, right? To somebody, maybe I don't know. Even even that. Well, that's even not Lord really of the Rings, thing. they don't yeah. get the podium. Yeah. None right. of that's a thing, right? It's not a thing. Even in fantasy, it's not a thing. Yep. Right. King Arthur had to fight. Right. Yep. He had to fight for his throne. I, the point being is, it, the mundane and ordinary are a prerequisite for success. Without hard work, the rest of it doesn't matter. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that in, in one of my videos. Like that uh, hard work is that, you know, you're not going to get to where you want to do by working harder and harder and harder and harder because you can only work so much. There is an aspect of time management and leverage and getting so much done in a certain day and, and maximizing uh, other people and leveraging the right people and creating systems. But all of that assumes that you first work hard well i i made a video last week or maybe it was this week man those things happen too often one of the things that makes glory glorious one of the things that makes success what it is one of the things that makes achievement feel good is the ability to look back right there's a historical nature to it to be able to look back and go i got the shit kicked out of me on so many occasions, I got beat down and got back up. I failed, but then I succeeded a little bit. I worked at it every day and I kept going. I kept moving. The historical nature, the ability to remember how hard it was, the success and failure, success and failure over and over again, continuing, continuing, continuing. That's what makes the podium feel well, so good. And I think beyond that, what you find with a lot of people and it's it, to not be as cliche, but when you look back, the ability to say that I also contributed, Hmm. I failed, I succeeded and that succeeded impacted. I failed, I succeeded, that succeeded impacted somebody else. Hmm. And then realizing, and I think we would agree with this, you know, just even in my own theology and, and what I believe is the struggle, no matter how high I get is never going away. Hmm. You know, we are going to toil no matter what we're toiling in. Mm. It is going to be hard no matter what we do. We're going to have harder days. We're going to have to remind ourselves to be grateful. We're going to have to increase our mindset. You know, I, I, I've heard it said before and now, ego is the biggest enemy. There's actually a book, Ego is the Enemy. It's very good. It's by Ryan Holiday. Um, but on top of that, when you get more money and you grow – you get more problems. Hmm. People think I've I've heard it over and over again. Um, man, if I if I had three million dollars, I'd I'd just give it away. The problem is when you have three million dollars, you've got three million dollar problems, hmm. and that's a good thing. The bigger your problems, the more you're growing. If you have the same problems over and over and over and over again, 
you're probably not growing. Yeah. You know, if you've got small problems all the time, then something's, something's wrong. If the bigger your problems, the more you're growing and the more you grow, the bigger the problems are going to get. The problems are never going away. And I think that's important as people think, man, I'm, I'm going to be able to take vacation. I'm going to be able to do this. And, and all of that is a reality. I spent two months in Europe. Um, you can do that. Uh, the, the thing that people forget is there's still consequences to those actions. If you choose that, you're giving up something else. That was two months. Now, with technology and everything, I can still work, but I can't work as effectively as I was here. And so when you choose to do something, you're giving up. If you buy a $200,000 car, there's ways to get around just paying cash. If you pay, you know, 1400 bucks a month to lease it, guess what? You're out 1400 bucks a month, right? If you want to go and lease a Ferrari, you can lease it for two grand a month, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, depending on what it is, but you're out that two grand a month, whatever right. that means to you. Or you can go pay cash and you're out that 300 grand, or you can keep it and use it for something else. And that's where no matter what you do, there's going to be problems. Yeah. There's consequences for good, for weal or for woe. And being able to choose that, uh, another saying that someone said is, um, once you choose the life you want to have, be okay with the problems it's going to present. If you choose to be in real estate, understand you're going to have to talk to people. You're going to have to deal with people who think you're lowballing them. Mm. That's a problem you have to accept. If you don't do it, go to a different industry. Yeah. Right. Choose a different problem, but whatever you're doing, there's going to be problems. And if you're not willing to do it, you're going to find your limit very quickly. So what's your, what's your, uh, and I don't know if this is even a real thing, right? I, I, I can tell you that I've not clearly defined it okay. for S one G two, but I have, I have some ideas, right? I at least have kind of a general direction for, for what I want to do what we, what, you know, what I want to become and what, where I want this company to go and so forth. What I can tell you, this company is not about shirts, hats, t-shirts, shorts, beanies, and all that. There were some execution things that I should have done differently, but it is what it is. We move forward. Math, 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 math. Just keep going, man. Just keep don't going. stop. Right. Um, but where, where, where is it you're wanting to take the Walker group? What's, I mean, End goal may be the wrong way to say it, but like, and I hate this word. I, I don't hate this word, but I'm, I'm scared that some of our buddies from church are going to hear this, especially certain people are going to hear this and they're going to call me out on it. But cause I don't like the word trajectory cause I hate it when people try to build in and I'm not suggesting that it's not really there, but I, I think it's a, I think sometimes it's a weak word, especially when we're dealing with theology that people say, well, he died before he could continue writing, but his trajectory was. And so therefore you're, 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 you're kind of rewriting your thoughts back onto another person. But anyway, yeah, that's neither here nor there. I may even cut that out of the program, but what kind of trajectory do you see for the Walker group? What, what is it you want to do? What is it that, where do you want to go with your particular company? What do you hope to achieve yeah, so the the Walker Group's primary uh, existence really is to be a solutions-based company in real estate, that we solve real estate problems, okay? Um, and in, real, in solving those problems, we are 
fixing communities. We are serving the people who are looking to sell and we're providing investment opportunities to other investors. Um, and really just being the preferred solution in whatever community that, that I'm in, whether it's the local DFW market, having a company that provides investment properties to other investors that is solutions based for sellers. And really, you know, when it comes back to it, it is a opportunity to really build a legacy for me of, of contributing. And that's really when I think of meaningful work, it's all around contributing, building wealth for myself and my family and building a legacy so I can live the way that I want to live, right? Um, that I can contribute and give back in the ways that I want to give back. But I think it's also in the work that I'm doing, which is real estate, that I am solving people's housing problems, which could be foreclosure. It could be people have inherited a property and they're trying to uh, get rid of it and maximize their inheritance. Or it could be on the investment side where people want to build their own personal wealth and invest into a property, either long-term or short-term. And while I'm building up my own legacy of for my family, for my kids, I'm contributing to the estate or the wealth and the um, basically of others as well. That so many people in the economy make money in the housing realm. Mm -hmm. And I get to be a part of that. Yeah. And I get to make it that the contractors, they make their living. The roofer, they make their living. The foundation guy, he makes his living. The agent, if we turn around and sell property, makes his living. Uh, the seller, if it's inheritance, they maximize their estate. The investor, if I sell it to an investor who's going to invest in it, uh, they get a property that adds to their net worth. If I invest it, it goes into my portfolio, which sustains my own family. And so I am constantly uh, adding to the estate of others. And building up their wealth while at the same time adding to my own estate. And for me, that's where meaningful work comes in. That I have a solid opportunity and mechanism to build up the wealth of others and myself at the same time. And so for the Walker Group, whatever community we're in, we want to be the provider of choice. Yeah. That's really what it looks like. So just out of curiosity... I. Are there many people out there doing what you do? Uh, in DFW, there's a lot of people in the real estate game, yes. Yeah, but I mean, like doing what you do. Like in your in your business model, are, is that... Yeah, so I mean, I, like, I know say, there are realtors and loan yeah, officers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I would but. say um, on the investment side, DFW is actually one of the... I think it is this year the number one place to invest in real estate investment. Um we, I would say, have a unique focus while we're dealing with with sellers, particularly, and with investors. Um, we have our unique angle of being able to to find the properties, fix, uh, fund the properties, fix them up, and provide options. Um, I would say it's like anything else. There's lots of providers, but we have our unique angle. So what? It, so what's next for you guys? I mean. It, is it is it possible to kind of sum up and say, you know, kind of here's where the Walker Group is today. Here's what we're doing today. And 
here's kind of, here's what I want to be doing next year. I mean, yeah. are, are, do you anticipate I just doing the same thing next year? And I don't say, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I don't mean that. I, maybe that is the goal, right? Because we have talked about, you know, doing things consistently and patiently, yep. the mundane and ordinary over time, you know, equals success. What are you doing today? Do you plan on still, do you plan to still be doing today what you're, I mean, next year, what you're doing today, or yeah, is there so, like a yeah? So the way that evolution. I see it is, as you're creating the company, and even as I'm creating mine, is the idea is to systematize it, right? That if it's just me, it's not really worth much. But the ability to have systems in place that can uh, handle sales, right? That I have a consistent inflow of marketing and handle the sales, and then we can scale up in a systematic way. So, will we be doing the same thing? Absolutely. We're going to continue. Do market cycles change? Yes. And we've got some contingencies for that. But are we going to do the same thing? Yes. Are we going to add some elements and have some strategic plans for this coming year and some growth in leadership, which allows us to explode in growth? Um, We're working on that as well. We're also, you know, from from my, we are branching into, um, so what I call is once you have kind of your main revenue stream, then in the, especially in the real estate world. And what I'm doing is then I have what I'm calling big plays, um, where I've got, this is my business and you know, we buy houses, we sell houses, uh, we buy them from a seller. We might sell it to an investor. Um, we invest in ourselves, fix it up. We might add it to an owner finance or a rental portfolio, right? Our normal stuff. But then we take the cash that we've assembled, um, and then we put it into a big play. And the big plays are the addition. They're the strategic explosion, right? That we've been doing this now. I've been doing this now for six years full time. Being able to go into two or one or two or three, what I call big plays, that one of them is a fifth of my year mm. in revenue. Wow. Or one play might take three years and it might double the amount of revenue I made in a year or two years. Right. Um, that's what's really next for the Walker group is you, getting into bigger housing projects. Do you ever see this branching out into like you being able to do speaking engagements, writing those sorts of things to where, you know, you mentioned before you have mentors, right? Yeah. Those who, who, uh, I mean, you've even mentioned a couple, or at least one that I heard of, Gary V. Right? Every, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Gary V. is, then one, go figure out who Gary V. is, or you should just stop listening to this because this, <laughs> this is not going to be for you. Um, but he has become that, right? He's he's super successful at what he does in his marketing company and all those various other, you know, businesses that he has, but he's also become kind of an icon in the consulting world, right? Helping, you know, others to become successful at what they're doing. Do you, do you envision that at some point in your career that you might be doing something like that as well? Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I've had, I've had multiple people ask me if I wanted to do that. Um, I have actually mentored, uh, quite a few people in my business and helped people start their own companies. Um, people have paid me for mentorship. Um, I've done that kind of on an off level, but from a big thing, I'm, I don't know. It could be in the future. It's possible. But at this point I'm, uh, 
really it's I'm just kind of plugging away with what we're doing, trying to maximize my system. I'm still in the the growth phase. You know, I'm still, you know, I'm the CEO, I guess you could say, of my company. I would probably not even quite label me a CEO yet because I'm still in the thick of it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm still growing my team. It's expanding, um, increasing my own mindset on how to manage people and lead a team and becoming a better leader myself. And I'm still investing in my own being. You know what I'm saying? And as I'm investing in myself, I will grow and hopefully my mindset will level up, you know, where my, I've, I've now leveled up in, you know, my family, uh, I've leveled up in my business and my belief in what I can accomplish and how I'm managing and my direction. And it could be something in the future, but I'm not sure. So it would be, um, it is a different direction. Let me just put that than where I'm going, right? That it's, it would be, and I've thought about doing the videos and pushing stuff out and doing stuff like this to add some transparency to what I do more than create a, a full-blown business model out of it. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and this is just, we're kind of at the tail end here, but I mean, that's kind of, that. it doesn't necessarily have to be a business goal right now, right? Sometimes some of those things just, you get, you know, 15 years in, you go, wow, I've got a lot of stuff to offer to people. I could... I could also do that, but maybe not. I mean, yeah. who cares, right? It's you're doing, you're doing, like you said, you're plugging away, doing what you're doing. You're growing a company, being successful, increasing its, increasing its success, doing what you got to do. I get that. Well, and I think there's, you, you know, like you have a motto and a, and a creed, you know, suffer first, glory second. And it's something that's a message. You know, uh, another one of my friends, uh, another is, uh, you know, his, his thing is be your own hero, right? These are creeds that uh, empower people, that, that get a message across. My business is not so much about that. Mine is more on the serving the individual in their moment rather than this mass message. Um, are there people who train and educate and do that? Absolutely. And there's a lot of good ones out there because I've bought a lot of those courses to educate myself. Is that where I'm going to go? I don't know. So it would be it would be wrong of us to leave this right where it is. Um, human beings are, are the ones who are going to be hearing this, right? And all those people need, uh, at some point in their life, will very likely need your service or services like yours. And I would suggest that a lot of those folks are here in the DFW area. Um, I have a, you know, a very, you know, multi-million dollar or multi-million person following, um, right now. So it's, it's pretty incredible how huge Suffer First Glory Second is right now. Millions of people follow us. Millions. We are the best. (laughs) We are making, we are making America suffer again. Making America suffer great. No. So it's very small, right? Community right now, but it will grow. But all of the people who are listening will at some point need something like what you're offering. Um, so it would be, it seems to me that it would be, um, uh, it would be wrong to leave without, I mean, I did a little bit of an intro, but how would people contact you if they want to sell their house, if they want to buy their house, if, if somebody's in trouble, I mean, I, you know, we would be foolish to believe that anybody listening to this show aren't facing bankruptcy, aren't yeah. facing foreclosure, aren't facing some real shit in their yeah. life, 
right? We would be fools to, to walk away and think that everybody listening to this has got it all it together. And they're just listening to this because they didn't have anything better to do today. Yeah. So how would people, who needs you, yeah. right? Who needs you? Who needs Ronnie Walker, the Walker group? And not only who needs you, um, how, how do they reach you um, when they realize I got I got to do something. I need yep. help. What whatever it is, right? What are the scenarios of those who need you, yep. and how would they reach you if they? Yes. Yeah, so they uh, it? basically, we serve two main people: people who are trying to build their uh, their wealth and their long term, uh, you know, net worth in real estate, um, and are looking to invest in properties. So, so by investment, basically by investment properties. Um, that is a, a huge side of our market. And basically, if you're looking to build and learn and invest in properties, that's the first person. The second person is the individual who has some type of complicated housing issue, whether the house is uh, in disrepair in some way, whether there is a financial uh, circumstance um, and problem that you're dealing with, or you're just trying to maximize, say, an inheritance property uh, without putting in a bunch of the work into the property that you're looking to try to accomplish. Um, so you can reach out to us. So we, you can either go, uh, to, I is in construction right now, but it is, uh, Ronald uh, at Ronald You will, uh, be able to put in the housing information. You can reach out to us there, or you could call us at, uh, two, one, four, uh, eight, six, five, 7107 is our main line that uh, you can reach out. And whether you're looking for an investment property or you're looking to sell your home, We'd love to help you. And all of this, just as an FYI, um, will be in the show notes. I, I'll make sure that I put um, everything in there. I'll put the the bio in there as well as how to contact you so that, I mean, the reality is for about the next four to five years, maybe longer, don't expect much traffic coming from Suffer <laughs> First Glory Second Podcast. But who knows, maybe one day, you know, a guy just in good providence, right? They happen to turn it on and they, they're like at the end, you know, somebody wants to invest or somebody needs some help. Boom. There you are, brother. It, I got to be honest with you. So nobody knows this, but last night it got really precarious. I was wondering if we were going to do this or not. Right. Because I, in all seriousness, I mean, this was all sincerity. If we, if we would have had to cancel, I would have understood because business was happening. Ron, Ronnie is doing business all the time. He's working. This, this ain't, this, he's not messing around. So Ron, we had scheduled to get in here at eight o'clock this morning, um, and, and record this. And he, he texted me last night. He said, Hey dude, can we move it up to seven 30? Because I have a meeting, you know, out in Richardson and so on and so forth. And I was like, this dude ain't messing around. <laughs> this dude's got stuff going on. I I'm like, I'm not, I'm a, I'm the side hustle of a side hustle of a side hustle bathroom break. I, I mean, you know what I mean? And I just thought, you know what? I don't want to complicate this dude's day. I mean, he's, 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 he's supporting a family. This is my side hustle, right? That I want to one day become my day hustle, Yeah. but you're working. And so I told him, I said, look, man, let's, let's postpone to a day that would be more convenient for you because this is about you, not me. And I, I am thankful to you that you you did what you did to push other stuff off so that you could be here because I'm not kidding. I, it took me an hour and a half to go to sleep last night because all I could think about was what were we going to talk about today? Cause this is our, this is my first yeah. interview, right? Yeah. So this was exciting. This is a mile marker, right? This is one of those, this is a first right for me and for this company. 
And so I, I couldn't go to sleep last night. I was freaking just, my brain would not shut off. I was just locked in. And I, you know what? There's a part of me that hopes that never goes away. I don't want to just drift off and go, eh, got an interview tomorrow with, you know, Jack right. Wagon Jones, you know. I want to always be excited. I want to be excited about it because I want to remember what it feels like to be excited when I get kicked in the shorts. Absolutely. And, and, and stuff gets sideways and the wheels come off, right? So I appreciate you. Thank you so much Absolutely. for pushing something else off to help a brother out, to be kind. I want you to know I love you for that, and I, I, I really do appreciate it. Well, like I, said, like I said yesterday, when, when you say yes to something, you need to guard the things you say yes to, whether that's interviews, whether that's helping somebody out on giving back, whether that's your business, whether that's your family time. To accomplish what you want to accomplish in a year, when you say yes to something, you have to guard it. Yeah. And... Uh, Sometimes you can make and you can squeeze things in and make them go back to back to back. Other times, things can get shifted around. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Ron Walker, the Walker Group. Check the show notes. Everything about him that you need to know to get in touch with him will be in the show notes. Say it with me. Say it with heart. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Suffer first. Glory second. Glory second.